if you start your path of growth, you'll get more than you ever received possible. Um, and it will help you become more. But if you reject this call to adventure, if you reject this path, um, you're going to live a life of suffering, essentially. So it's, it's your choice. Do you express vulnerability? Do you develop awareness to express vulnerability and put it on the table and really risk growth? Because the downside of the unknown is not a lie. Like it is very literally death in lots of circumstances um, and metaphorically death in other circumstances. Like you, you will get injured at some point. It will bite back, but it's the only way to do what's meaningful. It's the only way to put meaning to your life, to dance between the known and the unknown. Today I'm joined by coach Tom Foxley, the founder of Mindset RX, who helps athletes not only train their body, but also their minds. He's worked with athletes at the highest level of the CrossFit Games, Jiu Jitsu, Boxing, and other sports. So I'm excited to take a deep dive today into building a powerful mindset, dealing with pain, and ending self-sabotage. So coach Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Max. And I'm super excited to have you. And so I want to dive right in because, you know, athletes who always understand that, you know, training our physical body, our agility, our speed, our endurance is so key. But we often tend to forget uh, the mental game when it comes to performing at our best. So why is that so important? Well, if you think about the ultimate purpose is to make your body do certain things and to make yourself do certain things and to not do other things. And you, you peel it back and it's like, what's the main driver behind those and you realize that it's our emotions and our thoughts our mental state and then what creates those our beliefs about the world and then the, the interaction between ourselves and our beliefs and the outside world it ultimately leads to the way we perform so if we change the 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 mindset behind things often we change the behaviors and we really don't change the behaviors unless we change the mindset so it's like this this keystone if we can alter the mindset, we can alter the behaviors in the long run. Yeah, for sure. And there's really two sides I'm seeing to this. So one is like in those acute moments when it's like race time, right? When it's competition. Or maybe if you're out there that aren't, you know, professional athletes or anything, but you're a salesperson or you want to give, you know, a pitch at, at work, right? In front of the leadership team. It's those acute moments when you need to show up as your best and really perform well. And the second part I'm seeing is, you know, the long-term game, right? Which is acting in alignment with our goals. So, you know, doing the stretching, doing the right kind of eating, right? Doing all the workouts that we need to do. And so those are really the two aspects I want to look at today. So to really dive right in, maybe with the first one, help us understand you know, why some people, you know, when they go into this competition, they just always perform at their best, right? They're always like crushing it, giving it all. And there's other people that, you know, have amazing workouts that are just heroes that, you know, in training, but in, when it comes to game time, it just doesn't really come together. So it comes down to a story. And the story that you're telling yourself is essentially a collection of beliefs that you have around the world. And these, these beliefs could be a, a combination of, well, your past. So you, there's, there's four kind of influences that create your beliefs. The environment that you, you grow up in, so what you kind of implicitly take from the world. Um, your education, what you're explicitly told about the world. Your experience, what you kind of pick up. And then anything that's kind of an evolutionary 
interest as well. So the four E's there. Um, all these things and the evolution is like, okay, what, what are you biologically made up to do? And these influences, they create a certain viewpoint of the world. And if that viewpoint is um, one where it's, I don't know, they're expressed as stories, they're expressed as almost like statements and beliefs. And if that, that belief, that viewpoint, that, that worldview is, I'm no good in competition, or, um, or nerves are a bad thing, or I never live up to my potential, those are gonna massively self-sabotage your performance in the moment. And it could be that you, like you said, have great workouts the whole time. You, or if you're, to use your example, um, you, in, the, in the world of sales, and you do so well on the build-up to it, and like you do so well on day sales, and then it comes to crunch time, and you, you fluff it, then chances are there's a story that's limiting you. There's a belief that's limiting you. That's the kind of the world of limiting beliefs. And it's my personal belief to use that word again that mm -hmm. too many people are focused on that crunch time that crunch time is like the culmination and really it's like the end process it's the result like there shouldn't be much doubt so if you're feeling sick with nerves if you're feeling like you are full of self-doubt and fear and you're just concerned then i reckon there's there's something deeper that needs to be addressed and that work should happen before you get to crunch time. There's very few people who can just switch it on. And if they can switch it on, you know, it's, it's, probably the, it's probably the result of their past beliefs. So we've got to work on that foundational belief system first, and that in turn changes the, um, changes the, the crunch time results. You know, this is such a fascinating insight because when you look at these great athletes, right? Olympic champions and whatnot, like beliefs, is not something that like you think about like, oh, this person has like a stronger belief than everybody else, right? You think like, oh, they have better genetics, they train better. Like those are the obvious things we see on the outside. But what you're saying here really is it's a belief that have created over decades of practice, right? That then allows them to actually show up and perform at their best in the moments that matter most. And I think this yeah. is such an important insight. That's exactly right. It's, it's a lifetime of, of influence and of thinking and emotional states that create that performance. It's not something they switch on. Like you've got to think that if we, if you use an Olympian, it's a four year cycle. And if they're a sprinter, they're hopefully going for less than 10 seconds within that. So those 10 seconds are not really important. They should feel like, you just turn up, switch on and go. It should be like, okay, there's no doubt here. But the doubt really, I think it, if, we, if we're using doubts as an example, it comes up when you don't know whether you've put enough in and you've spent, you've, you can recall all those times you've self-sabotaged and you have very little perspective of how you've done it and like, or of how you've led up to that. And it's the lead up. And if you know you've done everything right, if you've worked on your mindset for those like three years and 364 days since the last Olympics, then that's how you can know and just give yourself freedom to perform. Like we, have, we talk about this state called free nature and there's two states you can be in. There's free nature where everything feels good. It's like you're walking that very narrow path of freedom and everything feels open and you feel kind of like, generous and and happy and at ease and you feel light 
if we can put you in free nature, you're going to perform your best. If we can put you in that state, good performance, like optimal performance just happens. If you, however, are in bound nature, which is the opposite, where you feel heavy, lethargic, slow, where your body feels tight, where your, um, where your energy feels very low, where your thoughts are things like, I can't do this, I don't deserve to be here, um, I'm not good enough, um, so-and-so is better than me, I lost to so-and-so, when your emotions are like sadness or just like up and down or over ecstatic, that's bound nature, bound as in like wrapped up and tight and heavy. If you're in bound nature, there's no way you can perform your best. But if we can, over the course of your training and in a deliberate way every single day, just bump up that percentage of time you spend in free nature, you're going to turn up and just go, bam, I'm on it. I'm, I'm really good. And it's that lack of pressure. It's that lack of force. And if we go for like a, we, we can talk about it from a psychological point of view of like whether that chaos and order mix and it's like that that unity of like i've got one foot in what i know and one foot if i don't know and i find it very purposeful and meaningful or we can also look at it from like a taoist point of view or almost like between the yin and the yang there's two energies of like masculine and feminine like if you find that central piece and that is what we refer to as free nature in, in mindset rx then you find your optimal performance. But if you're trying to force it, if you're trying to pressure it, or just like hope that it turns up, you've lost the game already. You know, Tom, I absolutely love that. And I think anybody listening to this, including myself, like I can totally relate to this, this bound nature, right? And in fact, this is really one of the, the reasons why I started the show, why I started studying psychology, because I wanted to find out how to move from that to a place where, you know, I was this training hero, right? And in high school, oftentimes, where like I had the greatest workouts and it, it'd be competition time. And I just wasn't able to actually close the gap between, you know, my coach said like, they're just like this potential gap, right? Your potential is up here and you're performing down here sometimes. So how do we close that gap? And that for me, was like the central motive for years of, of really how to understand how to get my mind to actually close that gap. And so I love what you're saying here about like moving away from those fears, right? So you mentioned before, yeah. like many of those fears really are, you know, conditioned from a young age on, right? Many of those beliefs. Um, so how do people then begin to rewire themselves when they realize like, hey, I have certain beliefs that are limiting my performance. How can I start to reframe that? Yeah, cool. Um, I just want to touch on one thing before I get there, because you brought up something interesting. And it's like the framing of how coaches say things to you and deliver messages and like i don't know exactly how your coach um said things and obviously it's going through the filter of two different languages here and not in two different languages but two different people and two different worldviews at the same time like but that sometimes we can think about okay i'm not performing where i should be and it creates this kind of expanse this gap of like i'm not good enough and just the the language we use to frame things and the way we remember things is often enough to create a story around this so um it's it's really important that we watch out for that pressure and that force and it almost is like sometimes and i'm not saying this is the case with yourself at all but it's something i see very often that we end up competing or performing from a place of i'm not good enough and it's a place of lack it's a place of i should have more or i deserve more um, or like, yeah, I, I need more and I'm not where I should be. When we transition from 
that place of longing of desire to a place of gratitude and appreciation for what you already have and that that then what happens is that self-confidence builds and that that growth builds and that energy builds and that's how you progress from um that's how you like kind of that's a really important thing to remember i think for people just like if you can act from a place of gratitude that's when you overcome your limiting beliefs um and it seems so if i heard that 10 years ago i'd gone that sounds false that sounds so meaningless non like nonsense but i've seen it to be true not only in myself but all the athletes that i work with and like the the coaches and the ceos that i work with and like and the business as a whole mindset actress works with and it's definitely true and if we work on that it, it cultivates like this this place of, of being and being happier so that's one thing the other thing you mentioned is like how do we begin working on those stories well the first one is like Okay, so you, you imagine you've got a map, right? Or imagine you're lost in the woods. If you're lost in the woods, and this happened to me the whole time in my military <laughs> training, I'd be like, I'd be stuck and like looking around. And the first thing people want to do is go, where should I be? Like, what's my point B? What's my end destination? I personally think this is the wrong approach. And like, because we want to instantly change it. Again, it's coming from a place of like, I'm not good enough. I, I'm not where I should be, very literally in this case. Um, but metaphorically too like i'm not where i should be where do i need to go the most important thing you can do when you're lost is to go actually i need to find out where i am right now what's my point a what's my exact location so before we can start walking like the the, the last thing you want to do is look at and um, is just start walking aimlessly and hope that you get there start moving in, a, in any direction because you don't know where you're going the slightly better options to look at your destination and start walking. And then hopefully if you recognize that you're almost there or you recognize some features, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm there. I'm getting closer. But the best thing to do is take some time to identify, okay, this is where I am. Like, this is my point A. Like if I can pinpoint myself on the map, like take some time to, okay, this is exactly where I am. This is who I believe I am in this case. And then take a process of like, okay, where am I going? then the path becomes shorter. Then we can look for any obstacles on the way. Then we can create the, the most elegant um, path there. We can avoid future obstacles. So the first step is to find our stories. And some of you people listening to this will know your story. Like you'll be able to hear it and you'll go, like, yeah, I never believe in myself or I'm always full of self-doubt or I'm a perfectionist. I try and make everything perfect. And I can't let it slide. There's some sort of story or I have no self-worth, some story there. And it might not be as deep as that. It might just be like, oh, you know what? Um, I'm great at snatches, but I can't, my clean and jerk sucks if you're an Olympic weightlifter or something like that. And it might, it might be some sort of story there. So we need to identify that story. We need to, the way we do it in, in Mindset Rx is we speak about observe your inner athlete. And observe your inner athlete, like your, basically, let me back up just a second. Your inner athlete is just another word for your subconscious beliefs, okay? Your subconscious mind. Your inner athlete is the person that dictates what you do. It's the, it's the way you think, it's the way you feel. So first off, you, you find that inner athlete. You observe your inner athlete by just writing. Like journaling is such an important skill. And yes. it's such, a, such an easy way to identify what's on like what's really on your mind. And I'm taking a bunch of coaches through our coaching certification at the moment. And they all start off doing this exact process. And they, they start writing 
and they don't realize how much they've got going on up there. They don't realize how, what concerns they have. They don't realize just how much energy they're feeling um, about something. They don't realize what they actually think about something and how much it's, it's sapping. So just, we start with observe your own athlete. And this is a really simple tool where you sit down, I've got my journal just there because I was doing it about an hour and a bit ago. So like the idea is that we just sit down with a pen and we write. Whatever comes up to mind, we stream our consciousness down onto paper. Whatever we feel, whatever we think, whatever we're concerned about. And if there's something we don't want to write, we write it down straight away. Because when we Love do that. that, it shines light on the shadow, essentially. It illuminates the path. And we've got to really dig into as much depth as you can, see what's happening, see what comes down to paper. Um, and that's the first tool. So the first thing to do is observe your inner athlete, see what's down there. It's easier with guidance of a coach, but you can start this yourself definitely. And I started by myself just write out, no censoring, um, no redacting. Don't write as if you're gonna read it again, just write as if like you're just trying to, like anything that's like, a whisper in the back of your mind, get it out on paper and that, that will serve people. And from that, we can find our point A. You're talking about, I absolutely love this process of really identifying what's actually going on in the brain, right? Because like you say, like we often, we take the map, we look for the goal and we jump right in without realizing that, hey, we may be actually somewhere completely different on the map. And so it's so mm -hmm. important, like you say, to really first get clear on like, where am I, right? And what's holding me back? So what are the stories? What are the beliefs that I have right now that may not be serving me. And if we don't do this process, this analysis really of what's going on right now, then we may jump oftentimes into, you know, techniques and tools that aren't actually, you know, worthy, aren't actually effective in that moment for that person because it's just a wrong tool at the wrong time. So I love that process. Exactly really right. Detecting, like, like really like a detective, right? You go down, you understand, you analyze yourself and what's going on. So then later mm -hmm. on, you find the right tools to, to actually make change happen. Yeah, you're exactly right there. It's like being a detective. You're uncovering what you didn't know you believed. It's like uncovering your unconscious. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because what it sounds like is there's oftentimes, you know, beliefs that don't even really have anything to, or in fact, most of the time probably it's beliefs that don't actually have anything to do with the sport. Like it's a belief mm -hmm. that you have around life, right? Of I'm not good enough. People don't like me. I'm not worthy if I don't succeed, right? It's all these beliefs that we have that translate to every other area of our lives. And then just like, you know, every other area, they also affect our running or they also affect our ability to lift weights or do whatever sport we do. Yeah, you're so right. And like, I'll, I'll reference this, this coaching, this group of coaches that I've got again. And they're like, they come into this coaching course and with a, with a kind of the outward desire of usually getting more balance in their life, spending, like coming back to training a bit more themselves, being uh, a bit less stressed, but also I think the, the main one they want is they want to be more successful in their coaching service. And most of these people are CrossFit coaches, a few other people come in as well, just kind of um, moving on the side. What we find is that when we start doing Observe Your Own Athlete, the thing that they're focusing on changing is their business. They're looking for new strategies. They're looking for um, a new marketing per, like strategy. They're looking for um, someone to do their admin. They're looking for like all these kind of like hacks. Like how can I essentially earn more money or develop a better coaching service or a business from um, from this like yeah and and do do so explicitly. When we start doing the observe your own athlete, what I found with everyone 
so far on this course is that there's concerns about home life partners are a big one are they giving their partners enough energy are they giving them enough love are they showing their kids enough love are they spending the time with their kids um all these kind of things like and what it really comes down to for most of them is like do i believe in myself do i actually love myself and what i'm going to find with these coaches just like i have in coaches gone past is like when we identify that story learn to drop it because we don't need the story it's not so so much like a case of like reinforcing a new story although that can be helpful but learning to act without the story like how would i act if i didn't have that story once they've learned to do that their business just grows because there's not this constant churning of energy they stop forcing energy into one area and neglecting another area like again to reference that Taoism point it's all about balance and unity if we can if we can if it's all about harmony if we can create harmony amongst different areas of our life our performance just steps up in the areas that we want it to if we overly focus on this one aspect of our life whatever it is it's usually the one that causes us the most pain if we overly focus on it the problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it becomes more serious whereas i think that if we just took a step back more often if we focus on the things that give us love and joy and energy the performance just takes care of itself you know, I absolutely love that. And this, this quote comes to mind by Derek Sivers, one of my favorite quotes. He said, if more knowledge was the answer, we'd all be billionaires with perfect apps, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, yeah, exactly. I love that because like, we always think it's those outside things, right? If we've got the right strategy, if we've got the perfect tactic, right? If we just get all the outside stuff right, then everything's going to be perfect. But what you're saying here really, it's the internal monologue that people have. It's those limiting beliefs. It's the feeling that, I'm not good enough, right? Or maybe I don't show enough love to my family. And just those things that hold people back. So what do you think yeah. that is? Is it just because it's like these other things are tangible because all the outside stuff is something you can sort of grab with your hands and take on? Or what do you think that is? I think it's like, I, I think the purpose of conscious, and this is like, you go, we go super deep with this. Um, so like, if you're listening to this and you go, hmm, like, where is this going? Just bear with me. <laughs> I think the purpose of consciousness is to eliminate complexity. And what we tend to do is like a way a human progresses in life is they move from the known to the unknown and make that known, make it structured. We move from order to chaos and in doing so expand our areas of, um, of competence, what we're good at. What often happens is that the known becomes safe and the unknown becomes threatening and that's what we believe about it but both the known and the unknown have a beneficial and a negative side to them the beneficial side of the known is it's safe it's secure like we can if we are not growing we are completely safe there's nothing threatening us we know how to act we know how to interact not only with other humans but with ourselves we're safe like there's no there's nothing coming to hurt us the negative side of the known is it's tyrannical, it's oppressive. We don't grow, we become stagnant. We, um, we're stuck in our limits, okay? And we don't move beyond that. So if we exist purely in the known, we don't grow. We, we become negative. That's what I found people are very negative who exist solely in the known. What happens here is the people in that, that side of over, 
overrepresented the threatening nature of the unknown. When we, when some of us look at the unknown, the the complexity of things, we see threat. We see a chance for injury. We see a an opportunity to uncover this complexity of our mindset, of our limiting beliefs, and unpack it. And we see this world of like unraveling, like complexity here and it's like what are we going to do with it it's and to come back to your question it seems so threatening it seems so complex that our minds would much rather stay in order and stay non-threatening so we we reject it and we don't look at it other side of of the unknown though the other side of chaos is the opportunity it grants you so it gives you the opportunity for growth it's going to teach you it's what success looks like it's what a meaningful life looks like and it's yeah it's what growth what expansion looks like it's, it's purpose so if we reject that side of the unknown and we stay in our little bubble of the known and like i did this for years because i was frankly just terrified of, of stepping outside of it then we will never move forward so the reason that we don't go forwards with this is because it, there's too much complexity i think i think that when we start unpacking this story we're scared about what's going to come out and we're scared that oh you know what like when i we we run this other course that's uh, like it's an introduction to nutrition and the mindset behind nutrition and for crossfitters this is this is huge and for so many of us it's huge because the stories are so deep and emotional I started this course on a whim. Like I decided to go, okay, you know what? I'm going to take, I think it was 20 athletes on board. We had like 18 or something. And like 18 people said like, I want to be involved. I don't care. I'm going to, going to go forwards with it. And they all came in with the, the concept of like, I just want to lose some body fat and yeah. be healthier and be more consistent with my nutrition. And when, again, we started that observe your inner athlete exercise, I was reading these observer and athletes, like they're submitting their journaling to me and I was crying in a cafe, like reading what people have been through because the hurt that they felt, the emotional struggle, the well-meaning, but ultimately incredible, incredibly harmful messages that family and influence had created on them. It was just, it was so sad to hear that. And unpacking that is like opening pandora's box it's like all this world of complexity and chaos comes out and what we want to do is shut the lid in the box and walk away right that's easier right because then we don't have to deal with it and there's sometimes that's the right thing but eventually it's going to eventually it's going to do something eventually it's going to burst open it's like the another example of this is like you can ignore your tax returns for as long as you want and it's like, oh, it's fine. I put it into order. I put it into like, there's no, there's no chaos there because I'm ignoring it. But it's firstly, it's sabotaging every effort you're making today because you're there's part of your brain worrying about it and processing it. But secondly, there's a point where the police are going to come around and throw you in jail or <laughs> fine you or whatever. The, like, so chaos will come. And it, the longer you put it off, the more intense it gets. So our job, like the, the job of the people in the nutrition course was to, advance towards the unknown embrace the hardship of going towards the unknown and be willing to dance with chaos 
we have to do exactly the same thing in life. We have to have one foot in the known, one foot in the unknown, constantly find that balance between the two. And that's what advances you personally and humanity as a whole. Wow, I absolutely love that. I think it's, like you say, it's, it's so hard for people to, to step into the unknown, to start opening the Pandora box, right? Because what is going to come out of it, right? What if I have to face my fears? What if I have to face my insecurities and my inadequacies and all the limiting stories I've been telling myself for years that I'm trying to shove inside, right? And not share with anyone, not show the world, right? And like, we always try to pretend like we're so strong, like there's everything perfect, right? Mm -hmm. But if you look a little bit beneath the surface, usually what we'll find is, you know, if we haven't done the deep work of actually, you know, taking even those, you know, childhood stories and taking all the pains and all the traumas that have happened to us, and beginning to integrate them into our personality rather than, you know, try to shove it in this little box and hide us away as big as, as mm -hmm. far as possible, right? If we don't do that work, like you say, it's going to catch up to us at some point or another because deep down inside of our minds, the story is still going to run off. I'm not good enough. You know, people don't like me. I'm not worthy. I can't succeed. And it's all of this stuff, right, that, that affects every single area of our lives, not just athletics, but the way you treat other people, the way you show up, the way you think about yourself. And so I love what you're saying here about really going deep and actually embracing this opening of the Pandora's box, embracing really those vulnerabilities and those, you know, fears and insecurities that we have as a way mm -hmm. to step forward. Yeah. I read this line the other day. I was looking for a, I think it was a Lao Tzu quote. He wrote the Tao Te Ching, but I was, I, I came across this, I think it was Jose Saramago and he said, chaos is just order waiting to be deciphered and i was like that's exactly it like we we look at it and it seems so complex it seems so overwhelming um but really we just need to take a considered calm approach to it it usually helps to have some sort of support but you can do it yourself like it is possible i think you advance so much quicker with someone else supporting you though and someone like walking you through it, especially if they've done the work themselves and like you just have to slowly advance and voluntarily advance towards the unknown to kind of expose yourself it's just like exposure therapy like we just go a bit more and a bit more and a bit more into the unknown and we learn that not that the world isn't scary and not that our stories aren't harmful but that we're braver and stronger than we ever realized before you know, absolutely love that. I think that's such an important point, right? And I, I truly wish, like, the, the, the one thing I think that would make humanity great is if we, you know, were born and we had this user's manual for, like, this is how you think, right? This is how you, <laughs> you literally use this, this amazing tool up here. And yet we don't have that, right? And so that's a struggle because people don't know how to deal with this kind of stuff. And because it's painful, because it's unknown, because it's uncomfortable, we try to shove it away. But like you say, if we approach it like exposure therapy, like literally one tiny step after another, whether it's your journaling, whether it's talking to someone, this is really powerful. And yeah. what I've also found is that the ability to become vulnerable, not just with ourselves, right? So to accept our stuff, you know, but also to share it with other people is so powerful because I realized the moment that you're able to talk about your inadequacies without, you know, breaking down, the moment you're able to share the traumas and the pains and the hurts, that have limited you in the past, they almost, it's almost like they lose their power over you, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's discuss vulnerability for just yes. a moment. My background, my story for ages is, is like, you've, it's funny, you've mentioned it a few, a few times, which is people don't like me. I'm like a not likable person. And the reason why was because at school, when I was, 
like from 12 through to 16. Yeah, I was bullied to shit. I had an awful time in school. Um, like, so I was, I'd turn up on the bus, be beaten up every day, Holy cow. get to lunchtime, the same thing would happen, and then go home, and the similar thing would happen on the bus back home. So it was a pretty horrible and rough time for me. For sure. I developed the story then of, I, no one likes me. Like, there's something wrong with me. There's a fault with me personally. And I carried this into when I started personal training. I carried it into the military when I joined the military. I carried it into my relationship, which, which like, I'm so grateful was carried on um, with my girlfriend. But I still had this nagging feeling that really she didn't like me and really that she was just with me because she felt sorry for me. And I had this victim's mindset, this victim story for so long. And what I did was decided to create this suit of armor. And this armor was this false macho tough guy kind of feel like i'm going to join not just the military but the most elite part of the military the royal marines i'm going to not just enjoy skiing but i'm going to go out to the mountains and do something that terrifies me every day i'm not just going to like go training i'm going to do the hardest sport that i can find which is cross it and combine that with Brazilian jiu-jitsu because I need to be the tough guy. I can't yeah. let anyone in because like this inside part of me was so fucking terrified of life. Like was so terrified of being hurt and being exposed. And what happened was this, this part of me, like this, sorry, this armor that I put up, it stopped everything coming in. It stopped everything hurting me. But really what happened is it stopped the best part of me showing forward. It, it stopped my vulnerability, my openness, my, any warmth, any individuality. I turned off my individual personality and adapted it to mold everyone else because of this veneer of like, I can't let anyone see who I am because if they see who I really am, they won't like me. And what happened no one liked me because I stopped being vulnerable. I stopped showing who I really was. No one could put like a finger on me of like going, okay, like I understand who this person is. I can interact with them. So this is the way our stories work. So often we develop this arm of, of, of a story and it does the exact thing that we don't want it to do. It forced people away from me when all I really wanted was to be loved. Um, for athletes, it forces away success when all they really want is to feel successful and loved again. So this vulnerability piece, as soon as I started it personally, I think my relationship improved, my self-worth improved, if that's, uh, well, not even self-worth, my belief in my own potential improved. And people began liking me and I was like, oh, this is weird. Like I, I've, I've taken the pressure off myself. I exposed my true nature and people were drawn to me. Um, and my business, which was my biggest thing, I just wanted to prove that I was successful. My business started taking off. And I was like, that's really weird. And it came as a result of unpacking the story of taking the armor off. Um, and when we, when we talked about bound nature, what we do at Mindset Rex is create these bound nature roles. And for me, this was a bounce nature role. I pictured like this tiny scared man, 
but a good man in a huge suit of armor, like a really tough suit of armor. And whenever I could see myself not being vulnerable or shying away from what I really thought or who I really believed I was, I imagined this. I think I called him like Timid Tony or something Timid like that. Tony, like, love that. <laughs> Timid Tony's back. Like Timid, Timid Tony's like, he says these things. He says, oh, I don't really know. Or he pushes people away. He performs these behaviors. He has the emotional state of like, I'm really tough and nothing can hurt me. He tries to prove himself the whole time. When I see that Timid Tony pushing himself forward and saying, hi, I'm here. I know that's my cue to step back. So vulnerability, I think, is reached through awareness. And if we can cultivate that awareness, again, unpacking the story so we can see it, how it involves and like, or has, sorry, how it deploys in the world, that's how we create our growth. And just like that awareness leads to vulnerability. The vulnerability leads to a an advance into the unknown and then the unknown leads to making it known and you, it leads to growth. But that's, that's the exact trajectory there. Wow. Thanks so much for sharing that, that story, Tom. I think this is such an important thing. And actually part of the reason I started this podcast really was for this process of personal development, right? To talk to people like you, to understand myself even more deeply and to go even deeper into my own mind, to really take all these inadequacies, bring them out, in front of really the whole world right here and and then discuss how it can move through that right and so it, that's so powerful and and what i've realized is, is very much what you're saying is that like when we we have these feelings of we're not good enough right and all of this stuff oftentimes we chase outside success as a way to make ourselves feel good right that was that was really for me the the reason i started running like professionally in the past was like in the beginning, I didn't, I was very much the same as you, you know, bullied in middle school, high school and all that, you know, people made fun of me because I couldn't speak well. And so I chose this thing. I was like running, right? It was like the first thing that gave me confidence, right? And I'd like won a couple of races. I'd be in the newspapers, right? Teachers would walk up to me. Other kids would walk up to me and like, Max, you're the greatest, right? And I was like, whoa, like you, you even know my name kind of thing, right? <laughs> and so it was that process that like then forced me to kind of pursue running in this obsessive way actually for years of my life because I thought that the only way I could be worthy in my life was if I became a professional runner if I went to the Olympics all that stuff but what I realized is like there's never it's never enough right so you you know you join a national team it's like the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and like it never enough because when you're chasing success on the outside it's not the same as actually feeling successful on the inside yes exactly exactly and it's like I love that you can draw the link between that. It's, it's so good. And pe more people need to hear that. I think what you summed up with there is when your gratitude for what you have outweighs the yearning for what you don't have, that's when things feel good. And that's when your mindset changes. Yes. And like you've, you've expressed that perfectly. One thing you mentioned, um, and I'll just quickly touch on this because I have like the tendency to rant. Um, one thing no, you mentioned that. is um, like, if only there's a user manual. If only there was like, this is how you live. And honestly, I think what's happened is that we've pushed away the user manual. Like, cause in some ways it hasn't evolved the way that humanity has evolved. Like there's, there's the religion aspect, which is just like, it's become outdated as we've moved and there's things that are great in it and there's things that are not so great in it. Um, but there's, there's two things that I look to, um, actually three things. There's other people who I feel are successful. And it's part of human nature to emulate what they see as desirable in others. So if you can find someone and go, huh, what is it about them? Like that's built into you. You naturally, 
you see someone that's successful or whatever that means to you and you look at them and part of you wants to carry it out. It's the same, it's the exact way that like Piaget described um, like child's evolution or child's growth. They see the way their mother acts and they start playing and they see the way their father acts and they start playing and they play like, um, like parents and kids or whatever they play. And then they begin to act out those roles and they begin to play with it and they begin to emulate it. And that's how we grow because we admire, hopefully, our people, the, the people that provide us primary care. So is that kind of, I said I wasn't going to rant, but I definitely <laughs> No, no, tell um, me, go for it. I love it, guys. So, um, so we have like our role models. Then we have philosophy. And philosophy has this, like, I think now especially, it's like as soon as it went very like, but what do words even mean? As soon as it got yeah. to that point. <laughs> as soon as it did that turn, right, it was now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm out of this. This is yeah. not interesting anymore because like, it doesn't apply to your life. But I think if you look at two areas which have huge carryover between themselves, which is Stoicism yes. and Buddhism, like you look yes. at those areas and that is the manual. Like every morning I sit down with my Kindle, which is just there as well, and I read through I did the Tao Te Ching recently. I did Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. I'm going to go through Seneca's work, Epicurus' work, and just like move, move through. Like, you don't have to be as nerdy as me to do that and to love it. But like, just some Ryan Holiday's work is a beautiful entry oh, point yes. to this. Um, Ego is the enemy. The obstacle is the way, and silence is sacred or something like that. Science is um, the path or something like that. Anyway, those three books are beautiful entries into sto uh, Stoicism. Buddhism is exactly the same. With, I prefer Taoism, like a kind of a sect, a sect, a part or a belief structure from Buddhism. I think that's beautiful. But they're all telling you the same things, which is like they talk about the force and the absence of force. They talk about the yin and yang, like very obviously within Taoism. But they also give you a path to lead forwards. And like, these truths are the same things that were true 3,000 years ago or 2,500 yes. years ago. And if they're true for people then, human beings haven't evolved that much since then. Society has to some degree, but not drastically. We're still the same kind of biological beings as we were then. So read these, integrate them. And if you want to look into the religious aspects as well, there's, there's some gems in there too. Then we have, and you find the same truths as well, if you look to certain aspects. And then you have something that is, I think, way more powerful. And that's the power of stories. So we look at mythology and actually there's stories within myth that teach us what we need to do. That is the user's manual. Favorite two parts of this. Like the, um, that I recorded again for the, the coaches group yesterday I recorded a piece on um on on the story the hero's journey essentially and joseph campbell's done some oh, fantastic yes. work with this he talks quite a lot about king arthur and the round table and very quickly that this is definitely a rant this I know, is like I'm a five I'm, I'm so much into this like <laughs> this is like 10 minutes into when i said i'm not gonna rant anyway like he said um like so king arthur sat around the round table that table represents unity and and the wholeness and all that kind of stuff and then around the table is, is the knights of the round table they um there's an apparition and in that apparition in that in that vision the holy grail comes up and is presented to them and they don't see it as the whole but they get catch a glimpse of it and there's like i think in the in the book there's like or the, the story there's some sort of cloth that half hides it and they just get a glimpse of it and like 
that is your goal. When you see your potential, you're like, I think I see it. It's not completely clear because why should it be? Like, you, why do you deserve to be able to see that right now? Like, you've got to grow to see it. Like, and you've got to go towards it. So you've got to, you catch this glimpse of vision. And then what they do is the Knights decide not to go together as a group, but to each go forward by themselves. And that's the worthy way to approach their goals. Not to abandon support, but to decide to confront your own demons. And what they have to do is they start their journey at the piece of the forest that looks darkest to them with no path. So they confront what they directly do not want to confront. And they consider that there's no path leading them forwards. There's no obvious way forwards. They just enter into the darkness. They go towards the unknown. So there you go. In a myth, in a story, there's a user manual for how to go forwards. It's taught to us. And the same thing in, like, and the other example I love using is, um, is The Hobbit. Okay, you've seen the film The Hobbit with, yeah. with Bilbo Baggins. And he starts off in Hobbiton. Everything's very ordered, very structured. The dwarves come in, chaos comes in and presents him this opportunity to go forth on an adventure, to be called forward to an adventure or to reject it and go back to his home life. He rejects it initially, then goes towards the call to adventure. From that moment, everything gets harder. He forgets his handkerchief first, which is a trivial and small thing. Then it starts raining. Okay, trivial, but not quite so small. He's uncomfortable. And from that moment until he battles oh no until he steals from smog the the dragon which is such a brilliant like metaphor that like, dragon's yeah. literally on the on the gold on the treasure from that moment on from or between the two moments everything gets tougher and more complex and he would no way be able to steal from smog as the original version but by embarking on the adventure he comes across more challenge which presents him with the opportunity to grow and it's only because of embarking on the challenge that he ultimately gets to where he wants to be so that is teaching you that you just have to start the challenge and trust that you will grow to a rise, rise to the level of the challenges that are presented in front of you, but only if you embrace the unknown. That's what the challenge, that's what the story says. And that's your user manual. That's like your path. So there's like, you've got these three things to do. Wow, Tom, you know, I absolutely love your rants. Like, absolutely love it. I hope, I hope our listeners feeling the same because I literally just got the goosebumps because I think this is quite literally the purpose of life this is quite literally why i started this podcast uh, the quest for greatness it's the quest for pursuing your highest potential for taking that big dream right that you may not even completely see that may be hidden half in cloth right you may not know what exactly it's going to look like but it's taking a dream and going on that quest this arduous difficult painful journey to learning how far you can really go and you touched upon so much literally gold right there. Um, stoicism is, is one of really the biggest influences on my life. And there's, there's this super cool um, story, Epictetus, um, you might know. You know, 2,000 years ago, for our listeners, he was, you know, born in Rome, ancient Rome, right? And he was born a slave. And he worked up his way, you know, eventually earned his freedom. And then moved to Greece to start his own school of philosophy. And so one day he's sharing this story to his students. He's saying, you know, all of you admire the mighty Hercules, right? And you probably, you know, as our listeners, you might have seen the movie Hercules, right? Dwayne The Rock Johnson is playing Hercules. So you can imagine, you know, this big, tall, unbeatable demigod, right? And he's saying, but what would have happened to Hercules if there were no challenges? What would have happened if there was no boar, no hydra, no armies to beat? 
Hercules, with all of his mighty talent, all of this God-given gifts, would have lain in bed and snored his life away. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so important to remember for anyone out there. Is you have those gifts upon you, right? Whether you see them or not in the beginning, but you have something deep inside of you that is drawn out of in the world, right? And you have this push and deep down inside of you. The question is, are you going to take that? Are you going to listen to that call? Are you going to go on that quest to see how far you can go? Or are you going to snow away your life? Are you going to waste your talents? Always thinking, what if, right? What if I'd gone out there? What if I had taken on that challenge? What if I you know, started searching for that holy grail? And so I love what you're saying here, Tom, about like that pursuit is quite literally, I believe, the purpose of life. It's what gives us meaning. It's what gives us fulfillment. And it's what grows us the most, even though it is damn uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. You're like, you hear some so many good points there. I have nothing to add to that because you, you nailed it. <laughs> I love that. No, it's, it's such an important topic, I think, for people to realize. Um, and that's this fear that people have. And I've had it for a long time, this fear, right, of really truly saying that this is the path, right, of committing to something. So for a long time in my own life, right, I had like, I was, I was scared, quite frankly, of, of starting this podcast. I was scared of like starting a daily show because I was like, this is impossible, right? Who am I to do this? All of this negative stuff, right? And I was like, I was trying to spread myself so thin. I was, you know, blogging, I was shooting videos. I was trying all this different stuff. And the moment I started deciding like, hey, this is quite literally it. Like, this is my purpose. This is my quest. This is the holy grail I'm searching for. And, you know, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be painful. And I'm going to be bad at times, right? I'm going to, I may not be good enough yet, but it's only through developing ourselves, through going in a process that we actually learn to grow and develop us in that way. Yeah, exactly. Once you expose yourself to that path, like you realize that you're more capable than you ever realized. Yes. And that you learn that who you are is not fixed, is not like, is not who you will be forever. And you see that you grow, like you expose yourself to the things that you want to be able to overcome gradually, voluntarily, and you become able to achieve them. And then once you do that, that doesn't just help you perform that task and get good at that task. It helps you perform every other task because you start to feel the principles and you get good at one thing and then suddenly it becomes slightly easier to be good at something else. And like, that's why there's this idea that like, I think it's, like something like this from the Bible is like for he who has a lot more be given and for he who doesn't have it will all be taken away. And this sounds incredibly harsh and Jordan Peterson has riffed on this for a long time. But what he finds is that like, or what what, what it's saying is like, if you start your path of growth, you'll get more than you ever received possible. Um, And it will help you become more. But if you reject this call to adventure, if you reject this path, um, you're going to live a life of suffering, essentially. So it's, it's your choice. Do you express vulnerability? Do you develop awareness to express vulnerability and put it on the table and really risk growth? Because the downside of the unknown is not a lie. Like it is very literally death in lots of circumstances. Um, and metaphorically death in other circumstances like you you will get injured at some point it will bite back but it's the only way to do what's meaningful it's the only way to put meaning to your life to dance between the known and the unknown and i love that you know the way i define like success in my life is when i'm lying in bed at night all by myself there's no distractions right no music no people no anything how i feel about myself when i'm by myself in that moment 
is how I define success for myself. And I think this is so important for people to realize is like all of, like the stuff that we're talking about right now, like chasing that holy grail, taking on these big challenges in your life. The, the purpose of that is not to actually achieve the goal. Like I truly believe that whether or not you actually achieve that goal in the end almost doesn't matter because the purpose of that is to fall more deeply in love with life because mm -hmm. the process of going after it actually fulfills you and actually gives you that meaning, that sense of purpose, that sense that my life actually matters because I went for that thing that I've always dreamed about. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want people to realize. Like it almost doesn't matter if you're going to succeed or fail. Like that stuff, yes, it is important, right? And in our minds and our society, we, we reward the winners, right? And we look at the failures. But the reality is that if you want to be happy in life, you've got to chase those dreams, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's scary, even if the chances of success are so small because it's going to make you feel alive. Yeah, yeah. And this is what is exactly meant when people say it's not about the destination, it's about the journey, it's about who you become. And like in advancing towards your goals, you become someone better and you realize that you actually had all you ever needed already which is or you can achieve everything get everything you want and become one of the people that i coach you is are still unhappy because they realize that they still want more they still like there's a song uh, society by any better where he talks about like everyone wants more everyone just wants more and more and more but they actually had everything they needed already and it's the same thing that's true in Dallas. yeah that's a beautiful thing right all the stuff you need is already within it's just about mm -hmm. release and unleashing that. So Tom, I want to shift gears to you a little bit. I don't want to keep you too long on the show, okay. but <laughs> we always love to celebrate failure as a stepping stone to growth and, you know, building resilience in our lives. So throughout your life, do you have a favorite failure? Oh man, where do I start? <laughs> let me That's the answer bring out, <laughs> yeah, let me bring out the folder. Um, right. The, oh man, what would be my biggest failure? Like, it's funny though, because when you talk about failures, you realize that you needed all of them to get where yeah. you are now. And it's such a cliche. So like a favorite failure, like there's nothing that I'd actually change. Like, but one of the biggest things I did is when I was 20, how old am I now? Like 22, 23, I decided to start a CrossFit gym and it was a huge risk for me financially because i had to take on a massive loan i took on twenty-five thousand pounds worth of debt to, wow. to do this um i knew nothing about business i was a very new coach i didn't start cultivating relationships with people i decided to just put in an offer and i used my money the, like still paying the debts off that um i used investors money uh, i used some money of my my grandmother actually she kind of advanced me um, what she was going to leave to me anyway. And it was like, it took about eight months for it all to crumble. And wow. I never even took one CrossFit class in this gym, despite paying the rent for it. Um, wow, I, no way. Yeah. I spent all this money on equipment, which I just had to return, got most of the money back, but ultimately didn't like I spent years, like a, a good year of my life, in a horrible house that I didn't enjoy. Like the person was lovely who I lived with, but like the landlord wasn't great. And like the environment I was in, I felt full of fear and self-sabotage for a year and I was stressing out. But without that, it wouldn't have taught me the, the truly fundamental lessons and valuable lessons that I needed in order to make mindset or X work. So 
like yeah i was twenty five thousand pounds in in the hole like in in the in the reds but i without that i wouldn't be where i am now and it ultimately has been a good thing um although at the time it was just awful like it was just like i didn't have anything i was like i was earning like 300 pounds a month and my rent was 450 or something like that so it's like what do i do with this (laughs) this isn't great but i need to eat (laughs) and so yeah that was that's i think my favorite failure you know i love that i actually had a very similar story of how i got started so so i actually lost similar i i basically rented out this office in munich right and anyone that's ever been to munich it's it's damn expensive because i think the Mm. the most expensive city in germany right and I rented out an office to basically run daily psychology workshops on happiness and motivation, all that kind of stuff, right? And I'd run around the city all day long trying to approach random strangers and invite them to my workshops, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so because I was spending all of my money on, on the office, I couldn't afford a place to sleep. So basically, I, I took my yoga mat, right? And just, you know, I'd roll it up throughout the day, run the workshop, and then at night, I'd roll up that yoga mat, Right. And I just sleep on that. It was horrible. Right. I had like the worst back pain of my life. Right. And it was, it was a huge fail in the end. Like I was miserable. I couldn't get enough sleep because it was an open office. So people couldn't see me sleeping. So I literally had between midnight and 6am or 5am sometimes to, you know, get up again. And it was miserable Mm -hmm. time, but I learned so much about myself and about, you know, what I'm really pursuing. And so I think this, and this goes back to what you were saying before, right? People learn through stories. And this is one of the most common threads that I'm trying to run through this show here really is that every single one of my guests, because this is a question I ask every single person and every single person gives me a similar answer, which is they've had these big failures, right? Sometimes in terms of money, sometimes it's business, sometimes it's relationships, sometimes it's personal failures, but in a way it was always good in the end. Looking backwards, it was always this positive thing because it allowed them to really dig deeper, understand themselves more deeply and come back even stronger. And so that's mm-hmm. the storyline I'm, I'm really trying to create here. And I think it's so beautiful then that what, what are you saying here? Cool. Yeah, I think you're exactly right there. Like the, the failure has an opportunity to teach us. And if we reject that truth, then we reject our potential. So it's about like this, I think where journaling comes in again, can you write down the truth? Can you truly observe what you're feeling and thinking in order to get a more truthful outcome? And therefore, a better outcome. Yeah, for sure. Now we talked about philosophy a lot before, and I'm a huge fan of this, this phrase, memento mori, remember your own death. So Tom, on the day that you're going to die, what do you want written on your tombstone? Hmm. I was actually thinking about this, like how, how would I like to be remembered when it, like, and I've realized, especially over the last two years or so, I think about death like way more than this yeah. normal, but I think that, I think it's beneficial, like realizing your time in here is finite and it's like, it could be taken away from you, but like, I don't want anything grandiose. Like, I don't want any, like, it's not my intention to be this, like, central figure. And it's like, I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know. Like, I think I don't even want to be an inspiration to others. Um, That's so interesting. Wanted, can, so can I, can yeah. I dive right in here? Because I think yeah, what you're saying here is so amazing. This literally, I'm not just saying this. This is one of the favorite shows I've ever shot. Thank you. So why not? If if you if you may explain, because it's not about me. Yeah, it's like this. It, like my life's barely about me. My life's about serving other people, and like I care. Is I don't know. It's like this. It's this weird flip. I care far more about my girlfriend than no, not far more. I I invest 
more of myself in Harriet's success than in my success. And yeah. like, that's wow. because it's about her. Like mindset or X, I used to have, like, it used to be about me. I was, and I suppose it had to be to begin with, but it was about what I could provide. And it was like, look at me. I am Tom Foxley and you should come to me for advice. And it's so false. It was so like disingenuous like mindset rex is not about me it's about serving athletes and helping them live a deeper more meaningful and more prosperous or richer life like that's what it's about it's like ultimately like i'm going to be gone like memento mori right i'm going to be gone at some point like and even if i am the most respected person ever to have lived like at some point that's going to go and it's all meaningless and life is ultimately <laughs> it's like, like i'm going to turn into zizek and say like life is ultimately meaningless. going down the rabbit hole yeah yeah but it's just like at some point i'm going to pass it isn't about me it's about other people it's about like the collective humanity it's about the world as a whole and like why should it be about me like uh, how arrogant would i have to be to say like I want the tombstone that proclaims this, yeah. um, which, and all of that is a long thing to put on a tombstone. Like, that's a lot <laughs> of chiseling. <laughs> that's for sure. No, but I think it's such an important insight, right? That like, at the end of the day, no one's going to care about your success. People care about how you make them feel. Mm -hmm. uh, so just two days ago, actually, I was talking to Aaron Walker, a leadership expert, and, and he was sharing a story of, you know, his dad who never made more than $15,000 a year, right? He was a, a poor man, but he was rich in love, right? And so yeah. he was sharing the story of like when his dad passed away, uh, basically, you know, hundreds of people were lining up, telling him about all the great things that his dad had done, all the times that he did mm. encourage them, all the times he was there for them, they inspired them. And, and so that was, is what I find very similar to you. It's like that at the end of the day is like what I want to know. Like that, you know, I'm, I'm up there and, you know, I'm gone, but but mm -hmm. other people have lived a better life or are still living a better life because I was on the planet for however long that is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the way to put it. I think it's like, did I serve other people? That's the, did I, did I do my bit to make the world a tiny bit better? Like, did yeah. I pick up the biggest burden I can and nudge it forwards then haul myself forwards? On it? Yeah. I absolutely love that. Now, Tom, we talked about a lot of great insights today. If you could give our listeners one piece of homework, one thing they should start directly applying to their lives, what would that be? I think it just get curious. Like think about why do you do the things you do? Why does, why does something feel good to you? Or why does something feel bad to you? Like why does, why does something make a certain emotion? Like, what is it that drives you? Do you actually know what you're working towards? Like how much of like, like how much do you do in a day that you don't realize you're doing? Like when you're wasting time on your phone or procrastinating or doing something you're not proud of, like what is it that made you do that? I think it's getting curious and you can do that through like starting to write journaling and stuff. But like, it's almost like you want to become the observer to learn to watch yourself. Like as a, as almost like a third party and go, huh, that's interesting. I'm, I'm doing, doing these things. Love that. Now, before I ask my final question, where can listeners connect with you online? So what's your favorite social media platforms, website, whatever it is? Yeah, it seems like most people are finding us on Instagram right now. And uh, that's just at mindset RX. So mindset, Romeo, X-ray, Delta, RXD. Um, and 
that will link you to all the other stuff. And um, that's our that's our business platform. If you want to follow me, like I just post pictures of me skiing the whole time, and that's <laughs> at Tom Foxley. Um, so yeah, there's that. We also have a Facebook community, which I think is really valuable because people get a lot of help from there which is mindset for functional athletes so we can use mindset for crossfitters obviously because crossfit are famously litigious um so we um we got mindset for functional athletes and so that's a that's a that's a really nice group for like a thousand ish people who are supporting each other in groups love that now tom we talked a lot about that holy grail about going like search for that big thing that big dream so what is your own quest for greatness so what's the big vision you're trying to bring into this world I think it's to do what's meaningful, like to continually pursue what's meaningful to me, to like, to see how much I can serve the people that I care about and to do my own bit of good. Like, I think as soon as we end up grandiose and as big as possible, like it's great. It helps you move forwards, but like real change happens one person at a time. And my, my purpose is just like, okay, Today, can I serve people the best I possibly can? I think it's, it's about the process. It's not about the end goal, um, which is kind of a, uh, an interesting uh, change to, to, like, to most goals. 